The letter of James from which you just heard is not to everyone's taste. Martin Luther, who made Jeremy Clarkson sound like a suave foreign office diplomat, described it as, and I quote, a right strawy epistle, by which I think he meant it lacked substance, for a man rightly devoted to justification by faith through grace. The letter of James, for Luther, looks suspiciously committed to finding acceptance with God through behavior, not belief. In reality, James shows that it is not enough to understand how we are saved. We have to demonstrate it too. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus once unsettlingly said. We can be comfortingly lulled by glowing words like love and kindness and compassion. But it's like having cold water thrown over us to hear what James says these words mean in practice. I'm going from the NRSV here rather than the message, but you got the message. Do not speak evil against one another. Do not badmouth one another. Who are you to judge your neighbor? In an early episode of The Simpsons, Maud Flanders, who's the wife of the nerdy evangelical Ned, said she'd spent a weekend at Bible camp, and I quote, learning how to be more judgmental. <laughs> Jokes have power because they usually contain just a hint of truth. And the image of the Christian judging the lifestyles of other people has been an enduring one. But the hypocrisy in that judgment itself has been exposed. Privately, pretty much everyone is judgmental of everyone else. And this has been revealed in the emergence of social media, where commentary divides very broadly into two. People encourage and affirm friends and families, in likes, comments and retweets, but reserve their bile for those they disagree with or don't like. It's quite shocking to read online comment sections where people express the kind of disinhibition they show behind the wheel of a car. Out of the abundance of the heart, the fingers post. This division between those we approve of and those we don't, I think is hardening as social media develops. So why are we so prone to judging others? I want us to be honest about this question today. There is an immediate satisfaction in beating people up with our words. It's like tucking into a salty, fatty takeaway where we get an instant hit, but later regret our relish when we think what it's, and indeed feel, what it's doing to our insides. But still, we buy our takeaways. Judging other people also bolsters our self-esteem by diminishing them in a perverse way. 
It's a reversal of John the Baptist's relationship with Jesus. It's as if we must increase and they must decrease. That's especially tempting in this era where we're relentlessly invited to compare ourselves to others. A third reason why we judge others is even more difficult to untangle. We build up relationships with people by gossiping about others. It cements friendships, creating in-groups and out-groups. So two of the three reasons I've offered for judging people are actually rooted in very innocent human wishes to build up friendships and to feel better about ourselves, which shows what we're up against when we try to deal with our tendency to badmouth others. I think there are particular risks when our lives are in transition. Perhaps when we go to university or start a new job, find a new house, join a club or an online forum. We have to find a way into new networks. And the surest way of doing this is by assimilating the culture of those networks. And when this culture is already tarnished, it can be hard to gain acceptance without compromising what we believe in. Not to affirm other people bad-mouthing makes us look prudish, and our involvement in the group is at stake. There are no simple off-the-shelf answers to how we resist the invitation to judge others. All too often, we join in. Even if we don't, we often feel we don't handle the situation very well. We reflect back and rather like the slow motion pictures of a header at goal that misses. We wonder how on earth we messed it up without accepting how difficult it can be to get things right in real time on the spur of the moment. Perhaps one tactic is just to deflect the invitation to judge, to change the topic casually and undemonstratively, or to focus our attention on the person in front of us, because everyone likes attention, and that's actually why we gossip. If people finding their way into new groups face the challenge of fitting in, without compromising the faith they bring into that group. Those who've been well settled in groups for years have different temptations. Their friendships can be so firmly established that they become complacent in criticising others who don't belong to the group. Some people can show an alarming lack of self-awareness in the way they judge others, as if they've inoculated themselves against the words of Jesus and James not to judge. It's perfectly clear what we're told. Breaking perennial habits, lifetime habits, is the greatest challenge we face to Christian maturity. You see, to judge another person is to label them up like a package. 
Our judgments reduce people to the scope of the words we use, inhibiting them and controlling them. We defy others to say there's more to the person that we're putting down. Simple statements like, he's flaky, she's high maintenance, or they're ignorant, sum up complicated people in neat words. They work because there is often an element of truth in them. But he may be flaky because his marriage is falling apart and he can't concentrate. She may be high maintenance because of an anxiety disorder which plagues her every day. They may be ignorant because their parents discouraged curiosity. There are often good reasons why people are the way they are. But our casual discrimination is too lazy for that kind of inquiry. As Jewish law says, do not judge your fellow until you have been in his place. Judgment often comes in short, pithy form, without wider appreciation of the context that someone is living in. And perhaps this is why Twitter is notorious for being a platform of contempt. Because you can sum people up and situations up in no more than 140 characters. You can't do more than that. And they're often people you know little about as you do the judging. We shouldn't limit the potential of God within someone. And this is something that Jesus understood when he called my namesake, Simon, to be a follower of his. Simon was a fisherman who worked nights with his hands. He was courageous at times, for sure, but he was also prone to speaking his his mind before engaging his brain. On the face of it, he was not an ideal candidate to lead the new church. And there were probably hundreds of people living in Jerusalem and working with their brains, not their hands, who fitted the person spec better. But Jesus saw potential, and in a powerful piece of symbolism, unlocked this by giving Simon a new name, Peter the Rock. Can you imagine what kind of impact this would have made on Simon to be told by God's own son that he would be an immovable stone on which the kingdom would be built? That's how to bolster another person's self-esteem to expand their sense of self and possibility. The Church of God, despite its origins in this naming ceremony of Jesus, is not immune to making hard judgments, not just of those outside the fellowship, but let's face it, inside too. In fact, we make a specialism of this. Leaders are a particular target, and we justify it because they're supposed to deliver the goods. 
ordained clergy, worship leaders, wardens, lay ministers, Sunday club and home group leaders. But not just them, because we're all potential targets. We think we know someone because we see them each Sunday, but we only show the shallowness of our fellowship when we make these kinds of judgments of complex people. And the sad thing is this. In a church with dense overlapping relationships, the people we judge usually get to hear about it. And they become wary and demoralized and something less than God's called them to be. One of the greatest gifts is encouragement. People flourish when they're named and described in ways which release their potential, like Simon Peter. It's ridiculously easy to encourage someone else, as simple as judging them, because it only takes a few words and a breath or two. And it's the perfect antidote to judgment because it fills the conversation with good things, reducing the scope to be nasty about others. How odd then that encouragement is so lacking in today's church. Let's pray. Father, you know us and you know that uh, probably every one of us badmouths others from time to time. And we lay that before you and our neediness in having to do that. Help us, Lord, because we need the power of your spirit to deliver us by degrees from this habit. And I pray that you'd fill each one of us with the fruit of encouragement that we would remember how to name people and describe them to their faces and behind their backs in ways which release the potential that you have called them to fulfill. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.